I am Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We are two game masters who can't stop talking about role-playing games. And today we talk about preluding, uh, which is a great tool for players to really set up uh, your amazing roleplay. Yeah, and we're going to focus in on the roleplay here. I mean, it's a tool that's all about roleplay, but that's kind of our thing, right, Chris? So let's get in there and get better at roleplay together. It's a great tool, but first, as usual, how are you doing, Matt? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's a new season, Chris. It's season yeah. two of of roleplay chat. <laughs> I don't really know what that means exactly, but it's season <laughs> two, and uh, it's it's feeling good. It, I'm I'm ready. I'm excited for for all the content we've got coming up. Yeah, it's kind of a I don't want to say a reset button, but uh, definitely a like we like we said the, in the last episode of season one, we think we have a good grasp on the format and really what we want to do with the podcast. So we'll see if time confirms this or. Maybe not, but I think I think we're uh, we're having something good here, so we'll move forward. Move forward with that. Wow, season two. I won't I won't be better at speaking apparently, but <laughs> it's okay. It's canon. It's just part of your, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just part of part of your persona now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and and I guess I'll I'll take a, a small quick second to say that this is a great place to start if you are new to the show, uh, don't feel obligated to go back and listen to our old stuff. I mean, there's some good stuff there, but uh, do what you will. And if you're if you're a longtime listener and you have friends that you think might also enjoy deep dive conversations about role-playing games and how to role-play and that sort of stuff, please, please share with your friends. We, it would mean the world to us. Yes, for sure, for sure. Uh, so today we talk about preluding, which is a subject we've been a little bit putting like uh, like holding off on because uh, there's a lot there. Uh, so I think it's a great subject for season two. Uh, so let's start with a question. So Matt, how would you define preluding? If you had to quickly yeah. explain the concept and everything. I mean, I guess the, 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 the best way I, I like to think of preluding, and it, it might, I don't think this is a term that exists Anywhere else. So here we are coming up with a new role-playing term. Uh, but but <laughs> it's to me put put simply is it's when you try to as a player foreshadow your emotions or 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 set yourself up for something that's coming down the line, like a, a big objective that you're gonna accomplish or fail. Uh, it helps set the stakes of the emotional gravity of what you're gonna go through. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. How about you, Chris? Maybe you can be more concise than I am. <laughs> I don't know about be being concise, but maybe to give an idea of what is what it is in my head, it feels like like a lot of players, uh, when they have role play scenes, they they take a lot of their backstory to to um, to role play with. So they'll talk about their broken family or the lost father and stuff like that. Well, preluding is kind of the opposite of that, where instead of using your past, you use what you believe to be your future. So it's kind of like doubling down on what you think is going to happen to commit to something. So if you see if there's a plot element, if there's something that you can tell your player is going towards, you are right away setting the stage of how does your player feel about it? How, why does he go that direction? You're kind of setting up the direction of your, of your character. And by doing this, it it means you kind of commit to something. So the 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 
Game Master can then test that commitment. So I think that's why it's, it's powerful. And we'll kind of explore the different things that make up what we just said, you and I, uh, as we go in this episode. Yeah, so I mean, like, like we normally do, Chris and I, we're going to have this chat about, in this context, we're going to talk about preluding, and it's going to be like a deep dive onto the subject. So for those of you who are new, this is kind of what we do. We, we take a topic, we do a deep dive, we're going to dissect it through kind of an unscripted discussion and conversation to hopefully by the end of this all, we're going to have what I think is going to be a pretty strong uh, understanding of the topic, and we're going to kind of boil it down into something a little bit more concise and definite for you. So stick with us till the end. We're going to have, I think, a pretty good definition of preluding. We are, we have it in our heads already. We just have to have the conversation about it. So join in and uh, let's, let's do this deep dive, Chris. Let's do it. So, right. um, so, I mean, this is kind of a, an element that, is kind of fundamental. There's some stuff we need to 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 set here before we maybe start. Uh, we're kind of assuming certain things when we talk about this preluding. Preluding for for me and I think for you from the short discussions we had about it are done mostly through role play scenes, which we call uh, in in this uh, podcast we call it pufferfish moments. So maybe because it's season two and maybe not everybody knows what a pufferfish moments is, maybe we can take. Like thirty seconds to quickly give the 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 idea of the concept. You want to go? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good idea. So, in in as briefly as possible, a pufferfish is basically a talking stick, and it's they're dual talking sticks. And what you would do is, whenever you want to have a one-on-one -on -one scene, either between a character and an NPC or two player characters, they would each grab one of the pufferfish, and they would have an uninterrupted scene between one another. A role play scene when they're in character. Um, if, if you wanted more details about what a pufferfish is and why that's so powerful, season one, episode ten, called the pufferfish moment, is a fantastic episode to listen into. It's a it's a great foundational tool to improve role play at the table. Yeah, but um, at, at the really core level, it's scenes. So maybe at your table, you already have scenes where you have in character moments. Uh, most most tables, it's only between or more often between the game master and the player. The pufferfish moment gives a structure for it to be more player-player. But anyway, let's assume you have this. What we're saying is preluding is kind of like a, also kind of a mindset that you have to have to for these scenes. So do we want to maybe give an example of what it would look like? I think that's probably where we're at, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's give an example to, to really nail down the definition here, or at least the, the base understanding of what this concept is. So let's let's use an example of a player character who actually we play with, and it's a, I think it's a fun example. So Otis is a rogue in in Chris's game that I also play, and Chris is the game master, and and Otis is one of our close friends, or not Otis, but the character is played by one of our close friends, and and Otis is this rogue with a kind of a mysterious past. But one thing that a lot of the characters know about him is that he's looking to find his sister. His sister has gone missing. Yeah, and it's been uh, it's been known for quite a while. Like in in real life, it's been I don't know, probably at least a year and a half or something. But it never really came up as like the story thread because there was a lot of other things going on. But now we're starting on that line. So everybody knows that Otis is going to be center of what's going to happen and his main goal is to find his sister so let's take that example and go 
what will happen along like far along the like once we really explore that hook with preluding or without preluding we're not gonna like role play the thing here but just like a mental exercise so let's say otis and i'm not giving any spoilers we're not there yet but i'm just taking the two extreme he let's say he finds a sister and she's perfectly healthy or whatever or maybe he finds that the sister is dead in either case this conclusion needs to be preluded with something so if otis doesn't say anything about who is the sister what's the relationship is otis that maybe he's vengeful maybe he, uh, she betrayed him or maybe he loves her so much and it's the most important people uh, person in the world so these differences of how does otis feel about this main objective is really important for when we meet that conclusion it's going to give an emotional weight to either is she alive is she not is she evil is she i don't know yeah and it, it kind of adds gravitas to the moment right it's it, if otis expresses his deep love for his sister and his excitement and eagerness to find her with another player character it's going to create this this baseline expectation of what otis is going to feel when he does find her so if he finds her and she's hurt now the expectation has been twisted and otis's reaction is going to make is going to mean a lot more because we knew how important it was to find his sister uh or, or vice versa right if if he's mm -hmm. if he was upset about finding her or he you know he had some kind of vengeful spirit against her when he finds her and she's alive maybe there's going to be a heated argument and preluding that moment is is going to allow for like we said, a, a more interesting event to occur when it happens, when the objective kind of reaches its its climax, quote unquote. Yeah. Do we maybe want to, to, to start with this example and maybe say how he would do with preluding and then we can dissect the how with different ways of doing it. But maybe like quickly one way of doing it would be just a bit like you, I think you kind of uh, touched a little bit on, go either to someone else or someone else come to Otis and that touches on being, for instance, gift giving. Another episode we had, uh, I think it was episode probably twenty-one or one of the the last one of season one. So being gift giving, if one of the player goes to Otis and says like, "Oh, we're gonna find your sisters," uh, at least we're trying to find your sister. How do you feel? Like, what's the last? When is the last time you met her? Uh, last time you were with her, and then he can kind of express his feeling, but he has to, and not just be like. Oh, you know, she's my sister. Family is family. I have to find her. That that doesn't mean anything to me, you know. Mm -hmm. So at least it 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 gives some information, I suppose, but it it doesn't really shed light onto what finding Otis's sister means to Otis. I think that that's kind of what you know part of how to prelude. Mm -hmm. The character needs to express how achieving the objective will feel to them are they excited are they scared are they are they uh i don't know uh, the whole range of emotions but ultimately there's an objective that this character is trying to meet is fighting towards how are they going to be when they achieve it and it's not saying that it's going to be achieved no but mm -hmm. but they're they're clearly striving towards it right it's their objective so to me it's that that's part of it it's it's there's an objective and what are you going to feel 
or how are you going to be yeah when you're f confronted with that objective or you're faced with its resolution yeah and it can be very straightforward it can be really like well i love her and i really like i want to make sure she's okay or i mean that doesn't mean your character cannot be a bit deceiving and say something but really meant something else but in that case i would really encourage you also prelude the the deceived part like let's say they deception, say yeah yeah the deception exactly with 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 action that maybe does not coincide with what your character is saying to make sure you prelude it's kind of like you know when we watch a movie and at the end there's a scene and it doesn't it doesn't make sense some people would say that probably of like the last season of game of thrones for instance that it was not properly preluded it was surprised but it was not it was surprising but it was not kind of the the the, the list the watch the watcher is that the cure i guess the cure. yeah sorry oh my god today i i just worked out i'm tired uh but like the yeah the the viewer needs to be kind of brought to the conclusion where where where's the when the final scene is there everything clicks and it makes sense so you kind of have to put those uh it's kind of like seating for players if you may it's you have to put lay, lay the rocks on the right in the right direction so that it, it you reach the end and everything makes sense yeah yeah and it's no it's no small feat like this is really hard oh, yeah. right like you, you need to like you said chris you need to have a few foundational components the, the puffer fish help we talked about ob having character objectives I, I know we sound like we're plugging a lot of our previous content here and and that's not that's not the intention but I, there is an episode on, on creating character objectives so if, if you're a game master with players who, who have a hard time setting their own personal objectives maybe send them to our, our 17th episode i think it's 17 of of uh last season called player objectives it's a, it's a good one and it's part of preluding it having all these things together really go hand in hand um mm -hmm. But it's yeah, it's not easy, and and I think that's kind of why we were excited to talk about it, right, Chris? It's like it's 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 kind of hard to pin down. Um, are there other things that you think make it a little bit easier to do? Make it easier to do, like I mean, make yeah, like that that simplify preluding, or or at least should be considered when you're trying to do it. I mean, I'm not sure. Something that comes to mind that I want to really make clear, and maybe that answers or not your question here, but I think we touched about it, but I just want to reiterate that you, like I said, you put the rocks in the direction, but the thing is the someone could say, but I don't know the direction I'm going, right? So that's the thing. And that comes back to, again, we don't mean to plug our thing, but it comes back to a little bit like what we said about railroad and sandbox. We talk about branching. So I won't plug an episode here, but it's basically as the player, you choose a direction and when events are going to come, you're not, that direction is going to change. And that's totally fine. So with preluding, we're not saying set something up and then stick to it and you can't change your mind, obviously. That's the beauty of role-playing is changing your mind. It's commit to something and then changing your mind is going to make, that's what changing your mind is going to make it interesting or whatever sentence that's grammatically correct. And I think that, that 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 could actually be played to the advantage of preluding, right? One yeah. way that I like to, to think of it is you don't know what's going to come. So mm -hmm. why not have a scene with a, a different character each time exploring a possible outcome? I mean, that, that might be a way to, to avoid some of these questions. It, you know, let's say you're Otis and 
you want to find your sister. Well, one way to prelude the, the, the that climax is, you know, have a scene with one of your player character, another player character, where you talk about how excited you are to find her. And then have another discussion, you know, maybe a week later in the game or whatever, a couple of a couple of games later with a different character, where you talk about the, you know, your how worried you are that she's not okay. And then okay, now have another scene with somebody else further down the road again, where you're talking about how vengeful you're going to be if someone hurts her. And, and you could have like really, you you don't need to fixate on the resolution or the the perfection of your objective but rather you can prelude its importance by kind of exploring all of the possible outcomes and by ex externalizing it and, and the emotions that you have related to that particular outcome i think is a good strategy to to employ when you try to prelude something for sure for sure and i think i think as we said since the, till the, till the since the beginning it's preluding kind of uses the outcome, uh, but I mentioned it's kind of like some people use their backstory, but in a seeming, you could also do both of them, right? In a perfect world, this would all be a spectrum again, where you, like like we take Otis with his sister, inside the preluding, there's going to be some stuff about the backstory and what happened to her sister potentially. So it's it's all the same line, but what we're saying here is be careful to not only say, oh, it was my sister and this happened and this happened in the past, really looking forward in time to set up your role play. And this is this sounds a little bit like foreshadowing, but it's not exactly the same thing because you don't really know what's to come. For me, foreshadowing feels more like a game master tool where you know what's to come, so you kind of put maybe symbols and, and certain things to foreshadow what's to come. Here you're kind of doing this, but you you you're kind of in the dark. You don't really know what's going to happen, so that's why we call it preluding. Would you agree? Uh, I think I think that's yeah. No, ab absolutely. It's and and it's a, it's a, certainly a question that's worth asking yourself, right? Like, how does it compare to foreshadowing? And and I think the distinction is exactly what you said, Chris. It's it's that because you don't know what's coming, you're not foreshadowing it. You're you're just finding a way to express how you might be in that future state that is unknown uh mm. it's 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 tricky and i'm actually quite happy with the term preluding i'm happy. <laughs> i think we've yeah. got a good a good word to, to to say what we mean um mm -hmm. and, and and i mean we've kind of been beating around the bush a little bit but i think another thing that you can do when you're preluding is just lean into the, the emotions right mm -hmm. uh lean in on how your character feels and this is going to sound stupid but there was i remember there was a game we were playing chris and we were going into the into that dungeon into like a big dwarven dungeon and this was the first time that my character was faced with going underground for like a significant amount of time and he he's a he's a he's a wizard he's a blue wizard in the world of warhammer and basically that means he gets his power from like the sky and the stars and the the power of the azir and by being underground it makes him feel awful it makes him feel mm -hmm. like disconnected from that power and i don't have to tell you this chris you know all about it but i'm just <laughs> for, for <laughs> listeners and i was trying to figure out like hey how how is my character going to feel about this and i actually went and like found a wikipedia page about emotions <laughs> <laughs> and looked up like 
because I know like everybody knows the common ones like anger and and sadness and happiness and you know disgust or whatever like the the big ones but there's a surprising amount of like emotion and distinction between I think there's something like 45 like there's like a wheel of emotion and there's 45 different emotions in there that like relate back to one another in an interesting way and relate like there's in, like the more intensity are certain things if it's less intense but it's the same feeling it's called something else anyway i'm not i'm not an expert in these things but it might be worth taking a look like if, if you know you're coming up to something important and you want to know how your character feels about it but you're not too sure it could be a source of inspiration um mm -hmm. and and i think another thing that kind of foreshadowing that emotion or, or i guess preluding how you might feel in the future is just gonna set yourself up great for like a super role play scene or a fantastically heavy moment when it happens right like you're gonna get that oscar moment when that when that happens because you're setting yourself up for it you're, you're giving a justification for how sad you're gonna be if the sisters hurt because you've been saying all along how excited you are to see her and you've got some great stories to tell her and you want to show her your your cool new sword and blah 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 and you have all <laughs> these things and then when the bad thing happens wow you can really pump out the, the the feelings and make everybody like relate to it because you've brought them along on the journey yeah i, I think know. for sure and I, I think something that maybe can make it a little bit easier to conceptualize is if you're a game if you're a game master even if you're a player it's it's kind of what the game master does with the campaign that's how i see it like if I'm thinking of like season one of Blood and Betrayal when we did the whole uh, uh, until the final encounter where they met the demon and fought the demon. This encounter was was cool by itself, but what really made that encounter epic was the fact that there was so many trials before that. There was so many uh, obstacles through towards getting there that. We, we kind of learned all along the way what this encounter meant. It was not really the encounter, it was really what it meant in the story and the, the finality of it. Well, for players, that's their job, is doing this with their player. If, the, if your objective is finding your sister, in order for finding your sister to have an emotional meaning, and that's kind of what you want, and for your other players to feel like they are uh, engaged in your character's story, you have to set up those moments that that um, educate the other people into what we're, you're going to do. And it, like you said, it's a justification to your emotion. And that's important if you're going to do something, uh, let's say, good in terms of, like, let's say, alignment, kind of good in terms of a, a good thing, uh, something that is a, a good thing in the world but if you're going to do a bad thing let's say betray your group because mm -hmm. something happens it's especially important to prelude it so that the characters are not that if not the characters but yeah i guess but the, the players and the characters are not just it doesn't come from like the vacuum it's just you just betray them no reason uh, you have yeah. to prelude it no, so that you know i'm really happy you brought up that chris because you're right. It's not only preluding doesn't only give a justification to your emotion. It gives a justification, I think, to your actions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. And when done right, it. When done perfectly, it should. 
get you there without revealing it fully, right? Whether it's a positive or a negative or a betrayal or for sure heartwarming reunion you don't want to give away the the nugget at the end because in terms of narrative it, it really helps with the, the, the drama and the tension and it, it's, it's a cool reveal but at the same time you need to build up to it you can't just especially for a betrayal like you're saying chris you can't just blindside everybody and and come out of the woodwork and betray everybody like that's just not cool your people are going to be upset but if you can find a way for the people to kind of expect it but not fully know what's going to happen or how it might happen then it creates a wow factor that is hard to replace right yeah i, th I think a, a good moment that you can have in your mind is something happens that tests uh one character let's say there's the sister thing and you arrive in this you can either i'm, I'm going to take very black and white example that are not super interesting but maybe prove my point like otis has a choice between his sister and one member of the group to like save batman style right uh then then that's when the all the players will look at otis's player and be like what is he gonna do and really like okay he preluded that the sister is the most important thing so in either case it makes sense but if he never said anything about his sister and he's been spending the last two years and it's not one of his best friend it might feel cheap for Otis to choose his sister but he's like well it's my backstory well it was hasn't been preluded correctly so it, it's the moment of like why is he gonna do but it, it's been you kind of can expect it but you don't know what's gonna happen anyway um yeah yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a powerful tool if done correctly. And we're kind of like, it's really abstract right now. We're trying to put an example. I hope we're clear. Uh, I hope you understand how much this can be powerful to commit to something that's gonna, that you think is going to happen in the future, or at least that your character is going towards. And that, that maybe there's a nuance there because you can prelude something very well knowing that that's not where you're going to go just because you kind of play that your character thinks that's where he's going to go if that makes sense yeah right? it's a good distinction and 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 i think another distinction that we could make is to not like just because you're preluding something doesn't mean it has to happen i think that's what you're saying right chris no no actually well i mean this this we kind of said in terms of like you can prelude something and don't feel like you're attached to that direction but more than that let's say you <clears throat> let's say you decide as the player that your character is gonna leave the group because he i'm thinking of i don't know why critical role caleb I, caleb was like this at the beginning but it's not important if you don't watch critical role but let's say you're a character and you're like i'm gonna reach this objective and then i'm gonna leave the group that's the player saying that sorry no, that's the character, character saying that. Yeah. So the character thinks he's going to leave the group. The player knows he's not going to do that, but he's going to act as if he's going to leave the group because he knows very well that something's going to happen that's going to bring him back to the group. But this preluding of how is it going to, how will the group change my character's mind and so that he doesn't leave the group? You know, so you can, you can go a direction kind of, as if you were 
the, 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 the character, but really the player knows it's not going to happen. Worse than that, you could go with the betrayal. Oh, he's going to betray the, the group. But the player, again, sorry, <laughs> I'm not, it's confusing. The character thinks he's going to betray the group, but the player knows he's not going to. That's more an extreme version, but there's a distinction there. Preluding, yeah. You're preluding what the character believes is the direction. And, and that, allows, that allows for an interesting character growth, right? It, mm-hmm. that, that could be a, a really added cool benefit. I know a lot of people that when they first play Dungeons & Dragons or, or any other role-playing game, they often like, or some people um, gravitate towards the like loner type or the character or the person who's kind of like does their own thing treats every like doesn't trust anybody else blah 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 well a good way to have that character kind of evolve to not evolve but a good way to have an interesting story arc of growth for that type of character that 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 character arc would be for you to prelude how much you know or you don't like these guys as soon as the mission's over leave blah 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 all these things and and have the character have a change of heart because you're sharing those emotions if you're not going to be sharing your intention to leave and prelude your your feelings towards the party and and slowly show that growth to flip over it's just going to happen and no one's going to really know that your character had that growth in right that that uh is another way that this is pretty powerful um for sure it's another tool of externalizing your internal emotion but more than that it, it's it's giving a direction to your character so yeah yeah I, and it creates i think a very fascinating bond with other characters too you know it like like you said briefly before about having everybody else invested in the decision that Otis would make, whether he would pick the sister or the, the party member, by letting people in to, and, and by letting people be a part of your preluding, uh, like other characters, you're, you're helping them share your journey towards the completion of your objective. Mm-hmm. You're creating bonds with those characters, right? It, it's, you're just enriching the party dynamic in in such a fascinating way so it uh involves everybody yeah and speaking of involving everybody if everybody does that this preluding your responsibility is not only to prelude your character but it's to help other people prelude theirs so that's where we go into gift giving territory which like i said was episode 20 of last season season one um to help if you see someone trying to prelude. So for instance, if you go back to your example you just said about, you tell the, 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 the group, oh, I, I'm there just for this little mission, but I'm leaving after. Well, if the other characters are like, oh, okay, well, good luck with life, then yeah. <laughs> maybe that's not what you want, right? And you can have discussion outside of the, the actual like game to make sure that someone <laughs> like knows that you don't actually want to leave. But to have someone else go to you, why do you want to leave? Like, we're working well together. Like, I thought we were friends. You know what I mean? Like, so so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. help each other with this prelude, preluding is also very important. And we're, like, this example of, like, saying you're going to leave. Oh, sorry. 
<laughs> so, so taking this example of saying you want to leave is um, is an extreme version. I think it's kind of a dangerous territory, and yeah, that could be, yeah. yeah. So is like the betrayal and stuff. But but I think using these extreme examples kind of illustrates the point nicely, and it illustrates the cost of not preluding pretty nicely mm -hmm. right it, it oh, illustrates sure. that if you're going to betray the party and you just backstab them and you leave them to die in the dungeon you run away with the treasure <laughs> and no one's going to be happy about that it, same thing with leaving the party like if, if you're you're making your character want to leave the party just so that you could have a cool moment where they decide to stay n no one's going to care that you decided to stay <laughs> they just assumed you were going to stay because you never like illustrated yeah. that you weren't um for sure and maybe just a little comment here if you're gonna betray your party there's a lot more to it than just preluding <laughs> just so we're yeah. clear there's yeah. a lot more discussion to be have but we're just using that example um i mean maybe we could riff off some other examples chris that maybe aren't so drastic i'm putting you on yeah. the spot let's improvise a bit here let's improvise a preluding um i mean it could be something just uh wanting to buy i'm thinking of your character actually and you want to buy a telescope uh for your spells and for like your home base um buying this telescope is an objective again mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and if you just buy a telescope if you don't say anything to anybody and you just buy a telescope at one point the group will be like okay he got his telescope whatever but you could also make a whole story about it like you could also prelude talk to other players and be like oh i'm so excited about it i it will allow me to do this thing and this thing but how are we going to move it and blah, blah blah and like you could just build excitement and that's not even a big thing like it's kind of like a yeah. a filler thing but just to show excitement for so that when you actually reach that goal the other players will be like or the other character will be like great oh congratulations uh Diedrich, you managed to get your your telescope and you that way quests if if I as the game master put some an obstacle in front of you, then that obstacle, their group might be like, yeah, let's let's power through this obstacle and not just be like, whatever, just don't buy a telescope. Who cares, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, and actually, I know I said we were going to list off examples, but that made me think of something, and maybe we'll come back <laughs> to the example. Sure, that, that's a really cool, a really cool instance of preluding, Chris, because like you said, it's it's kind of like a filler content. But it makes the quests that we would be doing not, it makes the quests personal. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, technically they're supposed to be, but it, it adds this layer. We're not just saving the dwarves from the evil spirits so that we get our treasure. We're saving the dwarves from the evil spirits so that we help the dwarves, we help the realm, but we also help Diedrich get his cool telescope. And if everybody has moments like this, mm -hmm. it just feels like there's this added flavor of like friends helping other friends to do what they're here to do. And like, maybe I'm going back to the party unity and stuff, but it, but it, it opens doors for other cool interactions. It opens doors for other neat role-play scenes, other neat moments. It makes the home base more important if I put the telescope in the home base. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the same thing could be said about, like, uh, one, of our, one of our players in our game is, is writing a poem. And he's kind of, like, alluded to the fact that he's writing a poem, but, like, nobody knows what the means to him. 
Nobody, mm-hmm. nobody really knows what it's going to feel like to him when he completes it. That kind of stuff. So that that could be an interesting... Uh, and I, I know a lot of games have a, a character that does this. Wizard who has his spell book where he's writing all the all the adventures down for historic purposes. Some people have like a bard on their party who wants to become famous and like writes up a whole bunch of songs. I mean, why not be gift giving to that character and ask them how they're going to feel when they write their biggest hit and they get to perform in front of the king and queen or whatever. And, you're, and by doing that, you're helping them prelude, which could be very interesting. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's, it's kind of, it's a great way, like you said, I want to go back to you saying like making it personal. So I'm thinking as the game master, I can put a scenario in front of you. So for instance, if we go back to that example, the tomb with the, the dwarf is a real example from her from, from from the game I game master. This thing I've put as like a story hook that I didn't think you guys would necessarily go. Like some dwarves help you fight off goblins and they said, Oh, we're actually going to a one of our lost mines to go back and like find some ancient artifacts. And you guys went, let's go there. Uh and then as a game master, I'm like, well, this is not really relating to anybody. Like, I didn't put that so that someone felt related to it. But then the player responsibility, or if you wish to make it a little bit more linked, is, like you said, making it personal. So you're like, oh, well, doing this will grant me my telescope that I really like. Then the Priest of Sigmar is like, well, in my vows, I have to help dwarves. Uh, then the Witch Hunter is like, oh, by doing this, we're killing evil. Uh, and this is part of like my backstory and my like I'm preluding my objective to maybe later uh, I'm I'm trying to avenge someone in my family, and and everybody takes this kind of like non personal quest and make it personal by preluding how are they going to feel once this is uh, once they accomplish this kind of side mission, and that made the mission so much more. Uh, powerful, and it was not me who did it with a design of like, oh, I'm going to use that player backstory in this, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's a good example. So maybe now I'm putting you on the spot uh, with another. <laughs> do you have an example of uh, preluding? Yeah. Okay. Another example of preluding. I mean, this maybe is a simple one, and it it could be generated for most for most you know people listening. But I think all of you have a main quest that is probably pretty apparent to you or relatively apparent, why not add a flavor of personal and try to prelude your emotions to its completion? Why are you striving to do that thing? Other than for the fame and the glory and other than the fact that your game master at your table is telling you mm-hmm. and sending you pretty, you know, big blinking signals to say, you know, follow this cool quest hook. Maybe you want to accomplish it because doing so will empty the that that region to, to allow your family back to its ancestral lands. Maybe you just really want to become powerful so that you can go home and impress the girl in your little village, and she can fall in love with you. Maybe that's a, you know it's a stupid example, but add the emotion and express why you're going to. Work striving to beat that big bad that your your game master is showing you yeah and maybe something 
that touches what you just said is I, I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, probably a, a while back, that it's it can be done with your backstory. But keep in mind that often your backstory might be not like it might not be full. You might have space there. So if something happens and you want to relate your character to the game master, don't say just, oh, well, he put that in front of me, but I don't really want to do it. Well, you can find a reason why your character would want to do it. Obviously, there's some railroad issue there maybe that you don't want to, but let's say you want to relate. You can then go back in your backstory, find a reason why you have an objective to go there, and then prelude how you're going to feel once it's concluded. And then it kind of everything works together. You can have something in your backstory which gives you an objective, and then you're going to prelude how you're going to feel at the end. And that's a little bit what you said. Maybe there's some brigands you need to deal with, and you're like, well, we, I don't really care. Okay, maybe as a player, you could be like, well, actually, I, I want my character to care. So what in my backstory would make him care? And then I will prelude how it's going to feel when I, I, I clean that bandit camp. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a that's a good one. An another one that can be that can be fun too is just going to a place that you've been before in your backstory is another like you know oftentimes your game master is going to like try to pull you towards a location that maybe you're familiar with there's some sense of familiarity. if that's the case it's 100% the player character's job or the, the player's job to make their character pre why they left that place in the first place how they're going to feel when they go back to that place is there someone in that in that place that they're really excited to see maybe there's their favorite you know their favorite shop that sells the best pogos or the equivalent <laughs> in a fantasy world like you know create excitement in the return to a place it doesn't even have to be a place in your backstory honestly it could just be the return to a town or village that you've been to before adding that extra flavor on the like the cart ride back to that town being like, oh, I wonder how that barmaid's doing. She had very pretty eyes. I don't know. Like, they're stupid examples, but I, even in the smallest of scale, preluding is beneficial to the game. Yeah, I'm I'm rewatching Critical. I'm constantly watching Critical Role, but uh, they 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 were getting to a town. I don't remember the name. That it was a town of gnomes who would like work all day and they would party all night, basically. And and I think one of the character because they had the high lore. The game master told her, uh, Marisha told her uh, basically that, that the, the gnomes was a place where they would have like crazy party at night. And instead of like not saying anything and then they reach there and they, they, oh my God, there's party. The player told the other ones, oh, apparently, like w while they were on the road getting there, oh, apparently these are like crazy gnomes who like have raves all night. And everybody's like, really? And everybody's excited now. And they're looking forward to have that, potential reveal or maybe change of expectation and when it happens and like the the fireworks starts and then the players are excited and the characters and everybody's like oh this is so cool because they preluded even the reveal of the game master so that's kind of like next level i guess but like a player can even prelude stuff if the the, the character has come some kind of information for instance you as a wizard know certain things so maybe if you go somewhere and, and you know that the, I don't know, the gold wind of magic is there, then on the road over there, you can kind of prep the team on what, what does that mean? 
and that would even be kind of like preluding where you're going. I mean, this is, I don't know, maybe this is a little bit different than preluding your own character, but still it has some kind of value. Yeah, no, it's it's powerful. And it, it I think that adding that personal touch is is one of these, these cool benefits of preluding. Um, so I think, I mean, I don't know if there's any other things that we have to say about how to prelude. Obviously, it, it probably talk about this forever. Um, mm -hmm. Did did you have other things to add about that, Chris? I mean, I mean, I think we touched on like like you said, we could do a bunch of example, and more we talk about it, the more we have nuance. So I think for this episode, we have right now a good. I hope the the listener has a good idea of what we're talking about, and I hope like 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 always, these episodes are not really for us to tell you like here's how to do it. It's for you to think about it and see how it relates to your game and how you can actually do it. But now that we kind of have an idea of, okay, this is kind of the idea of what to do it, there might be some obstacle to doing it. So what could be some obstacle to preluding? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I think there might be inexperience or maybe stage fright. Maybe it's a silly obstacle to say right at the gate, but I, I think a lot of people might just get that that stage fright if they're not used to doing this kind of thing. So I, I think the first thing to tell yourself is just try it out, talk to other people at the table first, you know, out of the game that you're gonna be trying to do these kinds of things, be trying to role play. I, I think that's probably the biggest barrier is, is folks, might want to role play or, or have scenes but are a little bit afraid of doing it uh, because i think preluding is at its best and is almost exclusively tied to actual role play scenes right chris like i mean it, it may be it can be done in other ways but i think it's its strongest when it's in some kind of role play scene yeah i think it's the more natural way to do it i mean you could prelude with action maybe you attack uh, someone and not the other like i don't know you're trying to save an ogre from a fight and like and, and then later they learn that because you were saved by an ogre when you were a kid but even then the resolution of really the preluding is going to be done with the interaction after the action is taken like just doing an action might might be a good prelude tool but it's better to then have a role play scene or a pufferfish moment after about it um I think another obstacle I, I, I've seen, uh, I think the one that I've seen the most because my players are pretty used to role play is commitment issues <laughs> where it's like you don't, if you, if you commit to feeling a certain way or setting a direction for your character, you, you might feel like you're forfeiting the other possible directions. So you're like, well, as long as I don't have to make a choice, why would I commit to something? Well, for me, that's the importance of preluding. You have to commit to something so that then changing your opinion or be confirming your opinion, that's the cool part. That's the fun part of role-playing, for me at least. Because if yeah. you haven't committed, then what's the point? And that, that decision won't have the emotional weight we've been talking about. Yeah, it, it, makes, it makes you and your, your character's actions and decisions right um so don't be afraid to commit i think i think don't just spectate yeah yeah i really want to 
like put that in bold because that's the idea of preluding. Commit to a direction for your character and go all in and see what's what what works. It's like improv again. You have to commit to something for it to be funny or intense or emotional. And I think that, yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you, Chris. Um and another obstacle, now that we're thinking about them, they're kind of coming to me. I think sometimes an obstacle to preluding is just kind of getting caught up in the moment, right? Like you're you're just playing the game, you're having a good time, and you're not thinking too far ahead. Yeah. And and I think one piece of advice or thought related to that is you don't necessarily have to. Right, like just tr maybe do the mental exercise right before the game starts. Think of something that you're going towards and take a quick note of it and say how you feel about that thing, and and just make an effort to to bring that up in the game. You, you don't need to be you know an A plus role player that reacts and preludes to something that happens instantly in the game. For instance, like that example from Critical. Like those guys know they know what they're doing. They're 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 fantastic at what they're doing, and to compare ourselves to them is is kind of hard. <laughs> <laughs> but so to do it live is is tricky. But you can cheat a little bit by just looking at something five minutes before the game starts, where you're going, and how you feel about it, and try to try to externalize it in the game. And don't worry about you you know seven games down the road, 20 games down the road, if that's intimidating to you. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a good, it's a good thing. And it's, it's, it's a little bit like the puffer fish moment where, like we said, there's different levels and definitely thinking about it before the game starts is, and especially for preluding, I think it's super powerful and you don't really need to go more than that. You might do it as, as you're like doing it more and more. But you don't really need to do it more than that. And and also, there's different ways to make it easier. We're actually going to have an episode at one point on uh, roleplay tasks, which is kind of like a tool I've been working on to try to help in give giving. And it kind of touched on preluding also. So um, keep an, uh, an eye out for that. But um, it, it again, it's kind of done before the game starts. And that's, that's the beauty of it. Um, another obstacle, and, and maybe this is a hard obstacle to try and resolve, but I feel like sometimes other players at the table might be obstacles to this, or like a game master style might be an obstacle to this. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna preach and say what to do, but just maybe consider your play playing styles, your game master playing styles, and if you feel like something at the table doesn't work to allow for this and you want to try this. Maybe a maybe a conversation outside of the table, one on one with your game master, worth worth your while. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I think that's right. Like we're we're pretty lucky that our table is kind of all we all agree that we want to push these things more and more, or at least everybody's comfortable that some player push those things more and more, um, and there's space for it at the table. But it definitely takes the right table. Like we're role play chat. We love role play. We try to push it. We try to give tools, give a track a structure to to be able to do deep dives on different subjects. But that's not for all tables, I guess. 
And I mean, maybe you're a game master who wants to see your players have more role play, but they're just not. You know, you're listening to this episode and you're saying, wow, it'd be great if my players did even a little bit of role play. Well, maybe, and I'm not pointing the finger at you specifically, but I'm I'm just saying, think about your game master style. Maybe you're part of the reason why there's less role play. So try to try to rope the characters' emotions in. Get the NPCs to ask them questions about their objectives. Give them the opportunity to 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 kind of explore role play in this way. Um, and and I guess this kind of segues into the you know the game master's role in all of this yeah and i think you you said it there like if you're the game master and you want to encourage preluding it at your table i mean obviously if, even if you're the player but as a game master you have a an array of npcs that might be interested in your players and your character i should say i have a problem with this today in the characters so you you can you can be the gift giving and as the game master should feel more natural and to go and ask the the characters why are they going towards a certain objective and ask them how they feel about it and if your your players are not used to this they might not even know why they're doing it so just to ask the question if they're non-committal which i think is probably going to be it's it's often the situation if you don't know you won't make a decision and if you notice that that's where i would have a discussion with my players when I telling them like when when I'm the game master and I'm, I'm asking you how do you feel about something, just commit to something, and that's when you can have things like again, don't mean to plug, but like if they listen to this, they might have a better idea of what you're trying to say, or you can just tell them what is your opinion on, on it. But you can definitely help be gift giving for other players to prelude. Yeah, and and definitely don't go into it with the expectation that, oh, if my NPC starts asking them how they feel about the main quest, that they're instantly going to have <laughs> an emotional bond to it, right? Like, it's going to take a little bit of time. All these things come with practice. But I think the Game Master can certainly take big leaps forward by asking certain questions about, you know, about the objectives, have the NPCs. You could even have the NPCs prelude quote unquote not for the players but like to to enable it right if if the the players come to a town and you have a guard look at one of them with a stink eye and he says oh not you again i mean that just enables a whole bunch of cool things to happen even if it's not part of the character's background maybe you you can slide them a little card with some information about oh that one time that you stole apples from the cart got you in trouble when you were a teenager and, and now this guard has a vendetta against you i don't know but you you could help you can help kind of weave them into it and enable the role play but i think i'm, I'm going to other territory here so let's <laughs> let's move on to something else unless you have more to say about that chris i mean i mean there's the there's something to be said about rewards if you're if your players work like that, uh, I know that in my game with you, Matt, rewards consist of basically inspiration points. It's not that we're playing with the fate, heavily modified fate system, so we have fate points. So when there's a good scene, and I, I could, for instance, the, say something like, today I, I want to see preluding. So whoever preludes or whoever says 
like set out their emotion for a future event to come, I'll give an extra fate token. Or for your D&D, could be, I'll give an inspiration. So you can say that. For my other group, it's more experience point that they like. So I could say, like, you'll have a bonus 15 XP uh, if, if you do that, every time you do that today. And then you kind of, again, you can say, you can give the carrot if, if you think your players might work like that. It might it work with some people. It doesn't work with others. But it could be an, another way to facilitate it at your table, kind of training, uh, encouraging a certain behavior at your table. Yeah, yeah. And I, I suppose... We're running a little bit long, Chris, so maybe we'll ask this last question and and try to wrap up. But I, I'll ask you, do you think a game master can prelude? Can a game master prelude? Uh, so preluding for me is setting up a direction that you don't know if that's what's going to happen. So I think a game master can probably prelude as an NPC, but I don't see that as like, a campaign it doesn't feel like you can mm-hmm. it, it's more like what we said like it's it feels more like it should be called foreshadowing if you're kind of setting a direction for your campaign what do you think yeah i i, I think it like you said you could certainly have an npc prelude i suppose you know their excitement for the party to complete a quest you could kind of set expectations to the party right like if if the king tells them to go empty out the bandit lair and he's nonchalant about it the party might not think it's all that important but if he's dire and he's expressing how important it is i i suppose that's preluding but like you said chris i feel like the game master knows too much for it to be considered preluding it's it's mainly i think at this point a device that the game master is using to educate the players of the importance of an event or, or that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I think it's a direction of time, right? Like, I think as a game master, if I know event, like, I know that they're going to go with an NPC and that NPC will basically commit suicide to uh, have vengeance on someone. Well, I know I want that to be like a punctuation in my story, but I don't need. I, I need that to have to make sense in the story, then I'll foreshadow it. Because I know that's what I want to happen. Then with preluding, it's not really what you're gonna do. But preluding, you're you're as a as a character, you'll be like, well, I'll do whatever it takes. So I'm gonna prelude that I'm gonna do whatever it takes without really knowing what the thing will be. So that's why for me that's the distinction between preluding and foreshadowing. Uh, but I mean, yeah. maybe that's not an, an important distinction, but here we're doing deep dive in abstract concepts. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. Doing, but maybe that's not a, a distinction that's super valuable, but that's the, definitely interesting, well, at least for me. <laughs> I, I mean, I think too, that the Game Master has other devices that they can use to foreshadow things, right? They can, they can foreshadow with ambience and they can foreshadow with, with setting, they can foreshadow Simple. with symbolism uh they they, they could foreshadow with just about anything whereas the preluding the, the the players don't have that benefit of being able to like create the world that they're playing in to the same degree as the game master so i, I think that that's part of the reason why the game master doesn't really need to prelude because they have so many other tools at their 
the disposal to foreshadow. But um, yeah, and with that, I think that's going to be it. Uh, maybe we'll do a little quick conclusion where we wrap up a little bit. So maybe the first thing is, so what would you say is, what would, give a try to give a diff, like a definitive definition of preluding, Matt. Do you fill up for the challenge? Yeah, okay. So I'm going to say that preluding is the act of externalizing your character's emotions about their completion of an objective to somebody else in the party an npc yes that's my attempt at a that's my attempt at a different it's not it's not written down in the show notes I no, no, it's, it's not, not always <laughs> yeah yeah it's really uh, top of the head so and i mean i think it it touches on a lot of stuff that we said so i think it i think it works um you, you said objective i had direction in mind but Definitely, definitely. I think it, it, it's a good definition. So maybe we can uh, <laughs> we can listen back to what you just said and write it down in the show notes. I already forgot what I said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I won't try. I think it was it was good. So let's 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 take that one. All right, um, and then now I'll I'll flip it onto you, Chris. The, the hot the hot light is on you. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what the definition. Anyway, how would you, in a Sparks Note version, explain to how would you prelude? I would say decide what's your objective. Again, you can do it before the game or during the game, but decide what's your objective. Attach an emotion to it. How do you feel about it? How will you feel uh, when this objective is met? And then uh, explore potentially different outcomes and then make that explicit through a scene or at least actions. So objective, emotion, then I would say uh, express it explicitly, not not implicitly. Awesome. I and I think that that gives you guys a pretty good, uh, you know, summary of what we talked about today. Do we want to revisit our example, Chris, with Otis and his sister? Yeah, sure. Let's do it quickly. So, if the sist, if Otis never said anything about the sister, you can you can imagine that when the group achieve Otis's objective to find the sister, the group will be like, okay, cool, we did it. What's the next thing? Right. And but on the other hand, if Otis found the objective, so took the objective, which is finding the sister associated emotion, I will be over the moon if she is uh, well and if there's no more pro if there's no problem at all. So that's my that's my objective. And I have my emotion. Then I need to talk to the other characters and express, oh, I'm, I'm maybe I'm worried about this. I'm worried about what could have happened with, to my sister in those last seven years. And, and like you said, there's different possible outcome you can explore and have different interaction with different players. Yeah, so that is preluding for you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If it's your first time listening to Roleplay Chat, welcome aboard. We, we have our episodes plus or minus every couple of weeks. Uh, we try our best to give you guys some fun conversations and interesting insight. Uh, if you wanted to reach out to us to talk to us more personally, you can do so on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at role underscore play underscore chat. Or we have an email that's contactroleplaychat at gmail.com. And with that, we will wrap up the show. And that's everything about preluding, isn't it, Chris? It is, Matt. Well, mostly. 
mostly. <laughs> Maybe we'll revisit it. But for now, let's call it a chat. <laughs> <laughs>